This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Shalom Aleichem. This segment is brought to you by Rabbi Yehud Shane, Administrator of Kashrus Anytime, a division of the Kosher Consumers Union, a 501c3 organization. We'll try to address now um, chocolate and cocoa. On chocolate, there is a um, shaila between the poiskim if the bracha is shahakal or the bracha is ha'itz. Ramosha tends to say that it's a shahakal, the other ones say that it's ha'itz. Usually, when um, uh, usually a pair is ha'itz, when you're taking out the juice of it, besides by grapes, it changes the bracha gofen. And by Aliyah Shahakal, um, the same child you would have a shtickle would be by oranges. Okay, like in Florida, 90% or more of the oranges are planted for juice. So that's why many people make on Florida oranges, they make eights. On the other hand, on California orange juice, they would make uh, a Shahakal because most oranges are not planted for that. They'll take eating oranges and make juice out of it. Uh, Brazilian oranges, on the other hand, is 90%, 95% is for juice. They would also make a base layer eight on that kind of thing. But there's a big machlag sapoiske, and each one should basically um, decide whatever his drug guides him to do. That's what he should do. In order to make chocolate, you first start off with a cocoa bean. The cocoa bean is like a, a shell on the outside or a pod, and the inside is called meat. It's not meat that's flesh, it's regular, it's called meat. Uh, what they first do after they uh, take it off the trees and everything, they put it out in the field and they ferment it. And every few days they turn it, you know, it's very hot in those areas and all grows in the hot climates. And they turn it over with shovels, etc., etc., for it to ferment on all sides. Once it's fully fermented, they'll send, put the beans in sacks, they send it off to a roasting plant and they'll roast it. Uh, each plant has his methods of roasting it, of how they want to roast it what temperatures, how long they want to roast it, how dark they want to make it, etc. Then they take out the meat from the pods, basically, and broken small pieces, which is called nibs. After it's roasted, they'll take those, uh, those nibs and they put it into a hydraulic press, which presses it and out comes uh, chocolate liqueur or cocoa butter. That butter, called cocoa butter, is not a dairy butter. It's a completely powerful thing. After the um, thing has been pressed in the hydraulic press, it doesn't get out all of the oil, but it gets out the bulk of it. And they uh, break apart those big blocks of uh, of um, chocolate, you know, really of cocoa. They break it apart and they grind it up into small cocoa powder, etc. In order to get out more of the um, liquid uh, or cocoa butter out of the, um, the cocoa bean, uh, they'll sometimes use a solvent uh, extraction in order to draw out more of it, but most of the cocoa is not made that way. And Dutch cocoa, which is a very, very dark cocoa, that they'll use, basically they have to alkanize it with such items as calcium carbonate, and sometimes the process used for making Dutch cocoa may have a chametz concern also because sometimes they'll use some glucose in it for sugar etc. It depends on each company so you have to know basically by Dutch cocoa 
exactly what the process was and it's the one that gave Ashkoch and it understands what goes on and happens. And sometimes when they're making a Dutch cocoa, even for regular cocoa, they'll sometimes spray the beans with something which may be a Shiloh of Hummus as well. So cocoa powder basically is the powder and um, higher quality powder will have in it some uh, some uh, amounts of cocoa butter still left in it. When they squeeze out more of it, basically, it's a little bit of a cheaper brand of cocoa powder. Uh, a lot of cocoa powder companies, or certainly some of them, like Hershey's cocoa powder, the regular plain cocoa powder, you can even use paste because there's absolutely nothing in there. They don't spray the beans beforehand or anything else like it. It's an OU company. According to the FDA, chocolate can only contain certain ingredients. It's, it goes, falls under the category which they have not for everything but certain things they have for the um, FDA, Food and Drug Administration of the United States, have a thing called the standard of identity. And what they allow in chocolate is to have cocoa, cocoa butter, sugar, lecithin, and vanillin, and nothing else unless it's going to be um, milk chocolate, then they allow you to put in milk. Now, uh, as is known, you can't you don't want to ever introduce any water in a chocolate plant because basically the chocolate hardens like cement and there's nothing much you could do with it and it's a waste of time. So they really can't put in a milk. So how do they make dairy, dairy chocolate? Two ways. Either they use um, milk powder or they use what's called milk crumb. They're made in different ways without getting into exactly how it's made, but that's what they put in to, to have uh, that. Uh, the lecithin is put in basically to uh, have the viscosity because usually with the even with the cocoa butter they don't want to use that much cocoa butter because cocoa butter is kind of expensive and uh, in order to have the the ratio for if you want to reach a certain viscosity you would have to have almost 50 times more cocoa butter than lecithin to be able to get that same viscosity. So they'd rather use less than for it, but Pesach, that's a, a problem, because lecithin is made from soybeans, and soybeans is kidneys. So, the Pesach to the cocoa, but the only way they could uh, adjust the viscosity is by adding more cocoa butter, so of course it's going to be a more expensive product. There's other kind of fats they could put in what's called compound chocolate. A lot of, um, a lot of chocolate chips aren't really... Uh, real chocolate chips, they're really compound. Uh, you know, they they more melt and everything else. They don't have the same quality as that. And it's, it's of course cheaper and depends on what the person is making. If he really needs um, a real chocolate chocolate chip, or he could use work with a compound chocolate chip. In Europe, you have to be much more careful. Of course, in Europe, you don't have to have really the pure chocolate the way the FDA gives you the standard of chocolate. They could put in a lot of different kind of fat. They could put in other things in it, etc., etc. And in Europe, it's machlal. It's a bigger problem giving gashgacha in Europe than in the United States. In the United States, they've learned already that the reliable organizations will not give you gashgacha unless they have access to every part of the plant, every piece of equipment. They can analyze the mashgiach with the one setting it up to RC, etc., etc. They know what it is. In Europe, on the other hand, a lot of companies say, Okay, Rabbi, you could go till here, you can't go further. We call that a mashgiach menachaloinois, meitit menacharakam. 
they don't let you go further. This is what it is. So it's pretty common over there. Uh, thing which they should have a lot more things that should be so-called on the list. If it's on the list, uh, people are using it. Not because they really know that everything is Oiskalten, but they don't really have access to it to know that everything is Oiskalten, but basically it's acceptable. So sometimes when they feel that they don't want to just write it's on the list, they want to say they give an Oiskalken, but they very often they don't have access to everything, and especially by chocolate, these things they could be putting in, are they putting it in the ingredients? They're not putting it in the ingredients, it depends what percentage, and depends the reason they're putting it in, if it's a processing agent, they don't have to put it in, etc., etc. In compound uh, chocolate, they can put in uh, uh, emulsifiers, basically, which are fat-based, and sometimes they could even put in butter oil, which is really made from butter, sometimes it's not made from butter, it's made uh, synthetically, etc., not natural butter. But you have to be careful with these type of things to make sure that it is on the Hashgach, uh, that the Rav Machshir and the Mashgich Misenzan really are familiar with the process very, very much. And the way it works is, the first thing is, they'll say, once they have the, the, the cocoa powder, they'll mix that with the sugar, the vanillin, the, etc., and the milk powder, if they're using milk, and they put it through what's called a refiner. Refine is a set usually of five wheels, each one turning in the opposite direction, and spaced very close one to another, one like a thousand, two thousand, three thousand of an inch apart. If the wheels are made of aluminum, with little teeth on it. And the closer it is, the finer the grind is going to be of the, of the chocolate mix that you're going to get out of it, and it's a, it's a much better one. And because of the because of the friction of those wheels rubbing on the chocolate ingredients, it builds up heat. I've clocked the heat on some of these refiners to be 100, 165 degrees, which basically is Yatsi Leds according to everybody, and the only way of really capturing that will be with Liban. Because, first of all, Hagala you can't do in the chocolate company because they're not going to let you use water. Uh, and because it's absorbed dry, so you really have to have a living, and you never been able to get it up that temperature because when you see it getting red, which is about by aluminum, uh, which is about 1100 degrees, basically the aluminum is going to melt. And even at a less of a temperature of that, by 700 degrees, the aluminum is going to be bent out of shape. Uh, and you're not going to be able to, you could might as well throw out the refiner wheels because it's not going to work properly anymore because the whole spacing of it is only two, three thousandths of an inch apart from the other wheel. Then in the inside of these wheels, they have uh, water in there which cools it that the wheels shouldn't get too hot. Uh, so even if you try to heat it up with heaters or something like it, you'll never get it up to any sort of casual temperature. Really, you should have dedicated ones, etc. Now, the OU does not allow you to kasha any of the equipment in a chocolate company um, with uh, cocoa butter or chocolate because they feel, even though sometimes you could use sharmashkin, but they feel because cocoa butter and chocolate, or chocolate rather, is not liquid at room temperatures, they don't feel to be considered a mashke at all, you can't kasha. So if you're buying a, a power of a chocolate, you should make sure that it does have an OU on there so you know at least they didn't attempt some other kosher um, uh, certified didn't attempt to kosher from something that really shouldn't be kosher so you're much safer with having when you have an OU on there. 
after it goes through the, the refiner and it comes off as a basically as a as a as a fine powder, then they mix it with um, your lecithin and they put it into a conch, which is a very very big. The conch is a is a large tank with um, steel wheels in there that keep on revolving and it keeps on kneading the chocolate mass that's mixed with the lecithin, your um, your cocoa powder, your sugar, your vanillin, etc. Et it keeps on mixing it and mixing it and mixing it. Usually they'll do it from a minimum of 24 hours to a maximum of 96. The longer it needs the chocolate, the finer the chocolate comes out, it's a much more premium chocolate with a better mouth melt, etc., etc. And that sits in the in the basically in the in the conch for hours upon hours. In the conch, uh, the friction of the wheels turning will usually bring it up temperature. Sometimes they may have they want to bring it up a little bit of higher temperature. They may sometimes have heaters on the conches also to bring it up the temperature and basically. They, they will have it go basically uh, over 150 degrees. So conches will also be a very big problem of kashering. But a conch, if there is a way of kashering it with uh, water, it can hold the water. And it's not like the refiners that basically there's nothing that you could do with water. You can't do a gola and it needs a liver on it. But conches basically, because there's always liquid in there, you can. But basically it's uh, very unrealistic. And they have to be separate uh, conches, basically, for milk, except ones for all of that. Uh, there was a Ravamash that claimed in Alpro's chocolate that he saw the refiners. He cashed it with a ribbon, and he saw the refiners turn red hot. But basically, I uh, questioned the reliability of this statement, because you can't bring aluminum uh, up to um, that type of temperature, because it'll buckle and get out of shape before that, and it'll melt once you get it up to a little temperature, so basically I don't really go along with that kind of thing. There's another company, uh, chocolate company, kind of popular one in East Greenville, Pennsylvania, which is basically under the OK. So the, the manager over there is basically always plays games, doesn't let the Mashgir go in right away to see the thing, because basically what he's doing is he's using the same refiner for milk and parav, and it can't be cashed, even though okay, told him you shouldn't use the same refiner, or at least not let it get above a uh, temperature of 115 degrees, which would be above that for 120, would be Yatsi Ledis. So he always takes time from the Majgir and doesn't let him go through. He wastes his time for half an hour. In the meantime, he had them close down the equipment, so everything cooled down, so you don't know what it is. Uh, but it's actually, it's, it's really a military refiner, and shouldn't be a part of a company. It should be basically designated as a dairy company. They also was found that in the Power of the designated tanks, uh, this company was basically storing also dairy chocolate in there, and uh, it was proven you go through his records and see there was still in there. How he cashed it is beyond me. How he cashed it, if he cashed it or whatever else he did, I, I don't know what he did with it, but basically that company should be counted as a dairy chocolate company, and a lot of the other so called um, smaller chocolate uh, companies. In New York, are taking the, or bigger ones even are taking that chocolate from that company. So basically, a person should be weary. Check out which company it is and uh, do your research and decide if you want to eat from those products. Then the last stage of chocolate before you make it into bars or into chocolate or whatever else it is, 50-pound bars, is they do tempering. 
tempering does a tremendous amount for the chocolate. Every company has a secret how he does the tempering. They'll play around, they'll first heat it up to a temperature of like 95, 98 degrees, then they lower the temperature for a certain period of time. They chill it and then they raise the temperature. It goes back and forth. It, it, it is kind of complicated and it's basically um, companies keep that very secretive exactly how to do tempering. It prevents your white blooming on the chocolate, prevents a lot of other kind of things. Uh, with the chocolate, so you know tempering, but that is your your last part that they um, that they do with it. And then basically, if you have um, a holy straw company, you really can't make any chocolate in a in a cholavacum company because basically there isn't really no way of uh, cashing it, and you're not going to want to make a holy straw on a parva line because of um, because of you'll never be able to cash it back. So if there's holy straw made, it should really be done. On a dedicated cholesterol line. Sometimes, yes, certain companies that will do chocolate chips, uh, one line will be uh, sometimes uh, power of a product, sometimes dairy. Others will not want to use that line because they sometimes use dairy on it and they'll only use the strictly power of a line. But what they have to be careful is when it comes back rework from any of the lines that are chocolate chips, uh, the workers, it was observed already by me, the workers will take. The rework from the power of that's really being done on the dairy line and dump it into the all power of exclusive line when they're doing the rework and really that's that's a no-no. So basically, you better be on top of it to make sure that thing doesn't happen. Uh, we've had a few years ago the episode, the famous episode with the Shufra cocoa, with for Pesach, which they were repacking it over here in the metropolitan area in metropolitan New York area, and it came from China. With no hashgacha in it whatsoever, not only you didn't have a paste hashgacha, no hashgacha, and China is known they adulterate many of their food items, uh, including cocoa is done, adulterated also with flour, as very common item by them, plus a lot of other things which they do. It didn't have hashgacha, and they were repacking it over here without a mashgiach, repacking it in the things, and even wrote in the package part of the USA. And it was publicized by us about a week before Pesach. And a lot of people started raising the roof that how do you notify them a week before Pesach when basically a lot of them have been cooking their, turned over their house and they were cooking and baking already for Pesach two weeks before, which I think they have a problem with that anyways because that means there was no regular normal food given to the family to eat for two weeks before Pesach. So I guess they must have been on intravenous or something like it. Or they have to go to pizza stores to eat. Uh, whatever else it is, they, they have to suffer because of the one week of Pesach where then you serve them everything based on frozen food, etc., etc. So when the Rabban Machshirim, Rabbi, the OK Rabbi Daniel Levi and Gruber had a meeting about this when it was discovered it was under the Ashgach that this was being done, so they had a meeting, and what was the discussion at the meeting? Not how did this happen, or what happened to the mashgiach, etc. Just how in the world did Che find out? Yeah, well, they're still working on that, trying to figure out how it is. Then um, the OK put out a letter that they sent it to the laboratory, but they refused to give out the report of the laboratory. But very interesting, because the product from China had uh, multiple lot numbers, so you would have had to send a number of batches to to the laboratory. They said they sent one of them to the laboratory, and we don't know what they sent to the laboratory. They could have taken um, OU cocoa that they had at home from Hershey's and sent that to the laboratory, and it came back clean. Okay, we'll continue this thing at another time. Thank you. Call to the